Hello, and welcome back to Energy Futures, the podcast where we explore different perspectives on the future of energy. Today, we're with Vivas Kumar, founder and CEO of Mitra Chem, a company working to revolutionize the world of lithium-ion batteries. Vivas, thank you so much for joining us today on Energy Futures. We're excited to showcase your perspective and all the great work that you're doing with Mitra Chem. Maybe to get us started, could you tell us a little bit about how you got into the world of energy, what's your background, and what led you here in the first place? Sure. So the background on me personally is I'm from India. I grew up in Singapore before moving to the United States about 20 years ago, and I'm an engineer by training. My parents, the reason we bopped around so much when I was a kid is because they worked in the oil and gas industry. And, you know, when I decided to become an engineer and was looking for my first job, my dad, who was in the oil and gas industry for about 40 years at that point, told me that the future of energy was outside of his industry. And that's what led me ultimately to the job I had at Tesla. I was a senior manager for battery materials. So I was responsible for sourcing all of the materials used to make the lithium ion batteries that go into Tesla's electric vehicles. It was an incredible job, and I met tremendous people from all around the world working on very interesting problems in energy and energy supply chains that ultimately led me to the founding of Mitra Chem with my two co-founders, Professor Will Chu and Chiranjeevi Balaji Gopal, approximately a year and a half ago. I absolutely love that story. And I love that you've got the background from your parents in oil and gas to really see both the progression and where the future is going. If you think about that and you think about what the future of energy looks like, why Mitra Chem? Why do you think that's part of the future? The future will only exist if we can innovate towards defeating climate change. One of the technologies most important towards fighting climate change is the lithium ion battery. So for context, lithium ion batteries have had 50 plus years of academic and commercial research and 30 plus years of commercial implementation, starting first in 1991 with the Sony Walkman, before ultimately becoming used in laptops in cameras and in electric vehicles and grid scale storage products. The problem that we are working on at Mitrochem is for the cathodes inside of this battery. So put very simplistically, a battery has a cathode and an anode, and when a lithium ion travels from the cathode to the anode and releases electrons, that flow of electrons is the electricity. I know there's many of you scientists out there who are hearing me and saying, well, you know, there's 10,000 layers deeper that you can get than that statement. But generally speaking, that's kind of how a battery works. It stores electrons, it releases electrons, and the flow of electrons is electricity. Cathodes are the most expensive part of the battery. They are the highest margin step in many cases in the battery supply chain. And it's also the step most responsible for dictating the performance of the overall battery cell system. So if you make small changes to the cathode, you get significant changes to cost, energy density, cycle life, safety, and other metrics that matter in measuring battery cell performance. We at Mitra Chem are focusing on iron-based cathodes. The reason is because iron-based cathodes shift away from the use 
of nickel and cobalt, which are entering imminent shortages and have the characteristics necessary for many of the applications in which batteries are being used as the energy storage platform technology, namely in mass market electric vehicles. That certainly paints a huge picture for why batteries matter and why it's important to get the future of batteries right. When you think about that from a supply chain perspective, when Mitra Chem achieves all of its goals, what's the biggest thing that you see different on the, the back end of that? Why is the world a demonstrably better place with iron-based cathodes? I'm gonna seize on something that you just said, the back end. The reason why we believe we can innovate better on these cathodes and bring a product to market is because of our in-house advantage, a proprietary machine learning technology that accelerates the discovery of new materials. The design build test cycle is an important concept in battery materials. Coming up with a hypothesis for a new material, designing that product, synthesizing it in a lab, putting that cathode into a cell, and cycling the cell over 2000 times to determine the performance parameters of that battery cell. This process in industry today takes 18 months or more, and we can bring that down to one month or less. We're building on the 10 plus years of research that Professor Will Chu has done at Stanford University and bringing his machine learning algorithms and the data sets that he has built around this as our in-house advantage so that we can become a cathode product company. Now, once again, focusing on iron rich, there's multiple different types of cathodes out there. Iron rich, nickel rich, manganese rich. We chose iron rich because we believe this is an area where innovation has been underinvested globally, where the opportunity for growth for the supply chain is massive. And as automotive companies, which are the fastest adopters of lithium ion batteries, have been shifting towards a diversified cathode approach that incorporates multiple different types of technologies, that that iron rich cathode is going to grow in prominence. I'll give you an example of this, Catherine. Tesla, my former employer, had their earnings call. And Elon stated on that call that about 50% of the products they had put out into the world in Q1 of 2020, or Q1 of 2022, used iron-based LFP cathodes. This would have been inconceivable to wow. think of just three years ago when most Western companies, including Tesla, were 100% nickel rich. But the paradigm is slowly shifting and we aim to be at the forefront by going iron rich first. That's quite an indicator. Why should people who are interested in the energy transition care about the battery material supply chain? Anybody who has jumped into an electric car has felt the performance has seen the beauty of the incredible engineering that is an electric vehicle. And I want as many people in the world to feel the satisfaction of driving an electric vehicle that I feel every single time I jump into mine. For that to happen, we need to build the entire electric vehicle supply chain so we can get as many vehicles on the road as possible. The limiting factor for that reality to take place is the lithium ion battery supply chain. As much as we've seen governments pushing forward on EVs, 
as much as we've seen automakers incorporating EVs into their roadmaps, as much as we've seen consumers pushing for more electric vehicles, we have not seen the commensurate amount of effort needed in building the underlying mining and specialty chemical supply chain needed to feed into this battery plans. That is a major reason for why Mitrochem exists. We feel the urgency to go out and build the supply chain to make sure as many electric vehicles hit the road as possible. That's a good reason to me. When you think about the future of energy, obviously it's a huge and complicated and challenging question. But when you think about what makes it really hard and what people might overlook, would you say that it's that nuance of the battery supply chain? The battery supply chain is invisible to the daily eye. When you jump into a car, you just know that it works. You don't really think about the materials that go into making that car and the impact the building of that supply chain will have until there are shortages. One great example of this is the semiconductor shortage, which was by far the biggest news story in technology business in 2021. And the impact that it had on getting consumer electronics out and vehicles out. Those same headlines will be written about lithium-ion batteries if we do not invest in the supply chain now. Thank goodness that one of us is planning ahead for this. Yep. Yeah. So when you think about what you've seen from watching your parents and their roles in oil and gas through your role at Tesla and into what you're doing right now at Mitra Chem, what's the biggest change you've seen in the energy landscape? The biggest change that I'm seeing is where the talent is flowing within this industry. Increasingly, I am seeing so many of my friends with whom I grew up in Singapore and Texas, which are both places where the oil and gas industry was the biggest employer for a very long period of time, get interested in learning about newer energies. And where the talent flows, the money goes. Where the money goes, the future is held. It is a trickle right now of the penetration that new energy technologies are having on the grid, on the road, and in every facet of our life. But the puck is skating towards these alternative energies. And the most intelligent people who I know are starting to ask about how a diversified future beyond just the legacy oil and gas assets that we use that are the baseline for so much of what we do with energy in the world today need to shift to incorporate more renewables, incorporate more battery storage, incorporate cleaner sources of energy. I love the way you put it, where the talent flows, the money goes, and ultimately you see the innovation. So if you put all that together and what you're seeing, what do you think the future of energy looks like? The future of energy is going to be dictated by one metric, which is levelized cost of production or levelized cost of energy. Great societies are built on cheap energy and the cheapest forms of energy that are emerging in the world today are the most sustainable forms of energy. So changing over the entire global grid, changing over the entire global transportation infrastructure, these are not changes that are going to happen in the next 10 to 20 years. This is a generational change. By the time I'm 100 years old, I want to be able to look back and say, I grew up in a world where oil and gas made my life possible. And I am now in a world where clean, sustainable, renewable energies are now making the world possible in every facet of my life, from the car that I'm driven in to the light that I turn on in my house. 
could not have articulated that better myself. You know, energy is the thing that makes modern life possible. So there is no not having it, but shifting. And, and Catherine, in, so in, this, in this manner, you know, we shouldn't demean the oil and gas industry because so much of what makes the world work today is based on the fact that the oil and gas industry rapidly industrialized, made energy accessible to all, and made energy cheap, and lifted billions of people out of poverty in the process. It's just that what has gotten us here today is not necessarily going to get us to where we want to be in the future. So simply building more oil and gas infrastructure is not going to get the marginal returns that we would like. At this point, the variables around which we are optimizing are carbon cost alongside dollar cost. That is exactly what's resulting in this paradigm shift towards renewables. Couldn't agree with you more. When you think about carbon cost, where else do you see Mitra Chem's technology helping to you know, give a lift to other parts of the, the industry that is trying to decarbonize? Grid scale storage. So we are seeing more and more grid operators incorporating solar and wind. But since these are intermittent assets, they only make sense if you pair energy storage alongside them, like batteries. This is a secondary market for us. We are still mostly focused on electrification of transportation. But as electrification hits every single aspect of energy storage, transmission, and distribution, we will also take a critical look at whether iron-based solutions for cathodes, for lithium-ion batteries as used on the grid, is an area that we need to, to invest in as well. Makes a ton of sense. I can't wait to see that extension happen for you guys. So last question for you, Vivas. When you think about all the ground we've covered, everything that you're working on, everything you've seen in your, your past lives, what's one thing you, you think people actually agree on when it comes to the future of energy? Well, the one thing that people agree on is we need to make energy as accessible and as cheap as possible for as large a segment of the human population as possible. There are still billions of people who do not have access with the reliability and safety and security that we in the Western world have, right? I mean, I come from India. There's still many hundreds of millions of people, even within India, who don't have that reliable access. Now, we may disagree on the methodology to get to that level of access, but we don't disagree that that should be the goal of every single person working in the energy industry. I think that's one of the things that the energy industry is in significant agreement on, but it's tough when you get beyond that. Everybody agrees that you need it. And then everybody agrees that affordable, reliable, and just consistently available is the key. Sometimes we find ourselves tripping on ourselves when we disagree on how. Absolutely. But it's not like the energy industry hasn't faced its own set of challenges in the past. And yet the march of human progress has been towards greater access and cheaper energy in general. I believe that this trend will continue. And that's why I'm so optimistic to be part of the industry. Amazing. Well, Vivas, I can't wait to see you helping to materially accelerate that progress. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been a fantastic conversation and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks for inviting me. Join us next week for a discussion on the role of innovation in the future of energy with former oil and gas industry geologist Tosin Joel.